0: Please remain standing for our scripture reading, which comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the tomb. Look, there was a great earthquake, for an angel from the Lord came down from heaven. Coming to the stone, he rolled it away and sat on it. Now his face was like lightning and his clothes as white as snow. The guards were so terrified of him that they shook with fear and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here because he's been raised from the dead, just as he said. Come see the place where they laid him. Now hurry, go and tell his disciples. He's been raised from the dead. He's going on ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there. I've given the message to you. With great fear and excitement, they hurried away from the tomb and ran to tell his disciples. But Jesus met them and greeted them. They came and grabbed his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers that I am going into Galilee. They will see me there. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If I can invite you to be seated, please. This morning we're going to be continuing our journey through the Apostles' Creed where each week we have looked and are looking at one of the 12 statements of faith that we make when we recite the Creed as individuals as well as when we recite the Creed as a community of faith when we gather here together. As I've read this statement or each of these statements and spent time thinking about them, I'm reminded of how important it is for us as Christians to know the essentials of faith. The things that will remain, if we take everything out of, of what we do, and if we say, what is essential? What are the things that you have to abide by or to follow or to believe? And these are the statements that I believe, and I think the, tr- the church for generations, for, for centuries has believed. is the words of the Apostles' Creed that have withstood the tests of time, withstood different beliefs and ideas, And that means that the words of this creed don't just speak to us today but they are the same phrases that spoke to the earliest Christians who were able to witness with their own eyes Jesus Christ, as well as those first converts who heard the apostles share who they believed and who they witnessed and who they saw Jesus to be, and they believed, and then they passed this belief on, and it's the same belief that you and I share in and we are able to profess in our own lives today because each of these words speak to God, sending his son Jesus into the world and offering us life. And each of these words apply to us today as much as they did to that first batch of Christians. So this morning we're going to be looking and taking some time to think about what the most important statement in the Apostles' Creed is. Think about it. Without the phrase, I'm going to say it wrong, the third day he rose from the dead, all the rest of the words in this creed don't mean a thing, do they? Without the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't think about Mary and how she was a virgin. We wouldn't care who Joseph was. There would be nothing about Bethlehem that was important. Nothing about Jesus appearing before a man named Pontius Pilate. Nothing. But because of this phrase, everything was changed. Because of this phrase, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John wrote their gospel account. Because of this phrase, Paul decided to preach. The world would not have been impacted for the better and for the good if not for the phrase, on the third day he rose again. Because the resurrection, friends, is what has led people and what has brought you and me to a place where we are able to live our lives for others to bring medical care to regions of the world that have never seen it, to give of ourselves, our dollars, our service, our everything, not just for ourselves and for our own well-being, but for others. Because the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the central and quite possibly the most misunderstood or mistaught statements in the Apostles' Creed. So, theologically, both in modern times and ancient times. Oh, here's an article I, or a graph from the BBC last year. It says percent of people asked about the Bible story and of Christ rising from the dead. So, people who are, are active Christians obviously believe in the resurrection. Those who believe, but not as in the Bible, are less as prevalent. And then it says those who don't believe and don't know. The red is general public. Um, All Christians is orange, and then active Christians is blue. That kind of jumped out at me last night as I was writing this sermon. And, of course, it's a tangent for the person running the computer, which makes it fun for them to follow along. Um, So, uh, theologically, both in, in modern times and ancient times, there are some of the greatest differences around this statement of faith. About what we believe and what we profess as a people who proclaim and who say that Jesus was resurrected on the third day. In ancient times, there was a preacher named Marcion of Sinope. He lived from 85 to 160 AD, and he taught that Jesus was God. He believed that Jesus was the Heavenly Father, but he said Jesus' physical body was actually a material imitation. So Marcion believed that God was so holy and that Jesus was so holy that he could not wrap his mind around the fact that the divine God would come to earth in the form of Jesus Christ in the body of a man, both to experience what you and I experience, but then also to die on the cross. And so his teaching that actually had quite a large following and was growing until the church came together and said, no, the physical resurrection happened because he was teaching that, that Jesus looked human. He felt human, but his body was not truly human. And so his teaching was that Jesus could not have physically been crucified, physically would have died, or even physically been resurrected because Jesus' body was just an imitation of the body that you and I have today. In more modern times... The teaching that's contrary to the Apostles' Creed and the physical resurrection of Jesus is more along the lines of people saying that that they don't believe that the resurrection involved a resuscitation of the physical body. So basically there's people saying that they believe that the resurrection was only spiritual. And so the only thing that raised from the dead when Jesus was resurrected was that his soul was raised for the dead. And then he appeared to people, but it would have been in a non-human form, in some sort of, you know, um, I don't know, hologram or visitate, you know, whatever it is, something that was physical. But that's contrary to the gospel. That's contrary to the New Testament letters that we read and to everything else. In fact, Paul wrote this. He said, if Christ hadn't been raised or hasn't been raised then our preaching is useless and our fa- your faith is youth- useless. So Paul's writing these words to, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 15. And besides reading the gospel accounts, I believe Paul says it best. So if you're going to read about the resurrection of Jesus, you have to spend time in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and each of their accountings. But then spend some time reading Paul's uh, letter to the 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because basically what he says is he says without the resurrection, without the raising of Jesus, then everything we do loses its life-changing significance. And if you think about it, Paul's right. There's nothing that says as humans that you and I cannot do good works or help others without Jesus. We can still help um, work. We can still live good lives without Jesus. We can still do all of these things without Jesus. But if you want to live a godly life, a, go- a life that changes who you are and how you live and how you relate to others and speak to others. If you want to live in a way that God has offered you grace and forgiveness and hope, then you have to do it in a way where you believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If we go back to the field example of um, what we've been talking about with this sermon series and, and talking about how the field are, are our 12 statements of faith and what we believe and basically saying that, that the fence line are these statements of fe- faith that help to keep us kind of contained. We can move around in the field on what we think. But in terms of the essentials saying this is our essential core beliefs. Friends, any denial or, or teaching of the bodily resurrection of Jesus that's different falls outside the boundary of our fence line. And as a Christian, as I've thought about it, and as I have thought about my own belief and about the resurrection, it's hard for me to believe that Jesus would not have been resurrected. I'm going to tell you why. There are four accounts in the Gospels that are different accounts of people who witnessed the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. Each of the gospel writers wrote their own account. I know there's some differences. Each account is unique, but each account is also consistent in telling us the essential truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ and of his resurrection. In a nutshell, the first Easter consisted of women going to the tomb, Them finding that the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. An angel or two was present to to ease their minds. The apostles came and inspected the tomb. Depending which apostles that was depends on the gospel. The grave by all was found to be empty. And then later Jesus was seen by the disciples and other followers more than once. And if you read in the scriptures, not only did he appear to them and talk to them, but he ate with them, he touched them, he listened to them, they heard his voice, and all of these things are presented to us to remind us that Jesus was alive. And so rather than focus on the discrepancies in the Gospels, you and I can focus on the essential truths of the resurrection, which is reinforced when we read the book of Acts and then the rest of the New Testament. And so there's a few things that I think we can learn from the resurrection this morning as we think about it in terms of what we share and what we profess whenever we read the Apostles' Creed together. The first is that the resurrection is a significant and triumphant victory over evil and of death. In the death death and resurrection of Jesus... He came from the place of the dead and received life. Last week we talked about how Jesus descended to the dead and today we are celebrating that that wasn't where he went and that wasn't where he stayed forever. In the Gospel of John chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. He told his disciples what? That he would be raised from the dead And then the resurrection shows us that it's true. So John presents to us the scripture and the teaching where Jesus is telling his disciples, this is what's going to happen. And then John also gives us proof that what happened is what Jesus had promised us. Because the resurrection is the first proof of us for God's promise for each of us, that God will offer us the resurrection in His final return or victory, and that God promises us life, even in death. And this is the hope that you and I have, and the life that we receive. Friends, that the reason that hope is given to us is because God loves to us to the same degree that He loved His own Son, Jesus Christ. To be a Christian, this is defining. Think about all the other faiths. The resurrection is what sets Christianity apart. Other faiths don't deny that Jesus was a positive example or a good and moral person. But Christians believe we know that Jesus was more than just someone who lived a good life. In Jesus, God came to show us the world and and to live more than just morally. But in Jesus, God has given us life and eternal victory. And so the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just offer him resurrection. But it guarantees and promises us that we will be physically resurrected in the same way that Jesus was. Christianity and Christians believe that that Jesus is not just God saving our souls, but that God has promised to save all of us. And so that's your body, that's your soul, that's your mind, that's your spirit. This means that God will redeem us fully. One misunderstanding of, of Jesus' resurrection is that he was just resuscitated. On the screen are other examples in the Bible where people were resuscitated. Lazarus in John chapter 11. In 1 Kings chapter 17, Elijah um, res- resuscitates or raises from the dead the widow of Zarephath's son. Elisha resuscitated the son of a Shunammite woman. Jesus res, res, resuscitated the widow of, of Nain's son. And Matthew 8 tells us when Jairus came who was the centurion and needed Jesus to raise his daughter from the dead, he did. And then we read in the book of Acts where it's not just Jesus that is able to, to raise, resuscitate, but Paul is also able to do so. Specifically, as, as I'm thinking, you know, the story of Eutychus, the young man that Paul was preaching, and he was preaching late into the night. He fell asleep, he was sitting in the windowsill, and he fell out of a third-story window. And Paul went out and raised him. All right, so the Scriptures tell us that each of these people was raised from the dead, that they received life, but it's not the same as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not the same as the resurrection of body that that Jesus received. They were resurrected, but each of them, if we read later in the Scriptures, or we don't read of them again, but all of them died a natural life, or a natural death at the end of their lives. Friends, here's where the resurrection of Jesus is defining. And it is so different. Because the body he received when he was raised from the tomb on the third day never died again. And as we will see next week, his physical body ascended into heaven. But that shows us and that allows us to have the confidence and the belief that when Jesus was resurrected, he did not die. But he lives eternal. His death was a final victory over sin and death and over evil and over everything else. And in that, God has offered us life. In his writing again from 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. This means that Jesus is the first in the harvest of all time. What Paul is saying is that we will receive the same as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says he's the first, he's the first fruit, meaning that, that it's God's intent and purpose for those who believe in him to receive the same resurrection. So the cool thing about this, or the earth-shattering thing about this, or the amazing thing about this, is this mean that that, that Paul's writing that that God loves you to the same degree that he loves his own son. This means that Paul's saying that, that there is no distinction between Jesus and his resurrection and the very resurrection that Jesus has promised that each of you will receive. This means that God has promised each of us the same gift that he's already given his son, Jesus. That means that God loves you that much. That he gave his son for you. That he raised his son for you. And that he has promised that those things that his son has received are the very same things that you yourself are going to receive. That means we've all been promised to to receive the same gift of life that God offered Jesus, that God loves us each that much, that he gave his son for us and has done everything for us. I think the last thing that we have to remember about the resurrection is that it's what makes Christianity unique among all the other religions of the world. Without the resurrection, Christianity is is basically the same of people striving to live better lives and different lives, but Paul tells us differently. Paul says the defining feature of what it means to be a Christian is that Jesus was resurrected from the dead. He says if there is no resurrection, then everything that we do, everything that we preach, everything that we say, everything that we believe is useless. And Paul even says this about himself and his fellow teachers. He says, If Christ had not been raised, we are liars. And without the resurrection, we are still in our sins. And we are be, to be pitied because we have no hope for the future. See, Paul rightfully places the entire credibility on the Christian gospel. Not on something of man, not on something of of you and I. But he places it all on the resurrection of Jesus. Because without the resurrection, Christianity is not Christianity. Without the resurrection, Christianity would just be another religion trying to explain the existence of God. But Christianity is different because Jesus died for each of us. And in the resurrection, God has offered us hope and God offers us each something eternal. See, the resurrection of Jesus takes us and changes the focus of ourselves and our lives to just ourselves and turns us outward into looking at the world and saying, what is there else that I can do for others? When Jesus is our focus, Our focus is the life that He offers and and the forgiveness that we receive and the hope that we have in Him. And our resurrection, our reaction to that, is to do nothing short than by proclaiming Him. By the way that we live, by the way that we speak, and by the way that we respond through our worship, through our giving, through our serving, through our, our everything because God's given us everything the same promises the same life that he's given his son Jesus Christ Paul writes in the end or in first Corinthians an account that I want to leave with you all of his understanding of the resurrection I'm not going to read it all because it's well 60 verses But he says, brothers and sisters, I want to call your attention to the good news that I preached to you, which you also received and in which you stand. You are being saved through it if you hold on to the message I preached to you, unless somehow you believed it for nothing. I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Christ died for our sins along with the scriptures. He was buried and he rose on the third day. He appeared first to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than five hundred brothers and sisters at once. Most of them are still alive to this day, though some have died. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all he appeared to me as if I was born at the wrong time. I'm the least, of the apo- of least important of the apostles. I don't deserve to be called an apostle because I harass God's church. I am what I am by God's grace, and God's grace hasn't been for nothing. In fact, I have worked harder than all the others, that is. It wasn't me, but the grace of God that is with me. So then, whether you heard the message from me or them, this is what we preach, and this is what we believe. Thanks be to God. Amen.